Hey guys, this is Jeremy and you're listening to Backstage Careers, the podcast where I interview the men and women who are working behind the scenes with some of the biggest entrepreneurs and creators out there. This episode is a little different because I'm not interviewing someone who works behind the scenes like I usually do, but someone who's very much on the front stage himself. His name is Leon Hendricks, and he's a good friend of mine who started a personal development YouTube channel a little over a year ago. And that short time, he's managed to grow the channel past 250,000 subscribers, and he's making a solid income from it. So in this episode, we go deep on the business of YouTube and how long it actually takes to make a living from a small YouTube channel. And Leon's at the point where he's starting to hire people behind the scenes to help him grow the channel to 1 million subscribers and beyond. So we talk about the positions he's hiring for as well as the best ways to apply, whether it's with him or any other YouTube creator out there. Like I said, this episode is a little different. So let me know what you thought. You can send me a DM on Instagram or on Twitter at Jeremy John Mary. All right, let's dive in. Enjoy. Leon Hendricks on the Jeremy. podcast. A little bit different of an episode as we were just talking about, but super excited. So let's get started with, I would love to for you to share like a little more about the channel, the mission, vision that you have for the channel, because I think it's like super unique compared to a lot of channels out there. And I think that's, I mean, it's probably one of the secrets to the growth you've had over the past year. Like we were just lo- looking over the chart. You've grown from pretty much 10,000 subscribers, which you were kind of like a, under that threshold for a while. And today, like less than a year later, you're at 250,000 subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. Hockey stick. All of a sudden, <laughs> my life just changed. I was actually about to run out of money from my previous business that I had, that I'd sold. And uh, yeah, it happened just in time. (laughs) So um, yeah, the mission of the channel or the vision that we have is that I've always wanted to make self-improvement more mainstream. I wanted to make it cool because ever since I got into this whole like improving yourself and, you know, maybe you could build a business and actually design the life you want. Ever since I got into that, it was a very isolating experience for me because I couldn't relate to my friends back then anymore. And it was really hard to find like-minded people. Over the years, I've built many, many friendships with people all over the world with different entrepreneurs, but it, 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 was, it was a hard journey. I'm dreaming of a world where the next generations think the next cool thing is like self-improvement, like mm-hmm. improving yourself. Like imagine the viral content on YouTube wasn't pranks or drama or whatever, right? It would be people improving themselves and that would be the cool thing. So that's, that's the vision that I have and that's what I want to do for the channel uh, by also combining entertaining storytelling with practical personal development and uh, also building a community with members in every major city in the world. Um, that's the vision that we have. And uh, yeah, it looks like we're making progress now. Yeah, it does look like that. So you, you had this vision, like you've always been into personal development stuff. At what point did you think like, oh, I want to start a YouTube channel? Like how did that seed get planted and how did it grow? Sure. So after selling my first business, which was an e-commerce business, I sold it because I hated it and I wanted to start something that I was passionate about. And then I, it took me about a year to figure out what I actually enjoy doing. I was trying a bunch of different things and I was like, even questioning my identity as an entrepreneur. I was, I thought maybe this is not for me. I thought I would be this person, but maybe I should just get a job and just live a normal life. But that wasn't for me either. And for some reason, I thought it would be funny to make a parody about entrepreneurship or like morning routines, for example. I did a parody video and I just wanted to send it to my friends and I don't know 
why I decided to do that. I thought it was just it would just be funny. Just do a little homemade skit with my phone, right? And just send it over to them. And they all thought so you it was had, hilarious. You had no intention of publishing this? No, I yeah, kind of on Facebook to my friends. Because I had a lot of connections there to buddies who are yeah running businesses and who would get the jokes that I was making. Yeah. But, so what I want to see it like what I want to get to the core of like is did you did you have a content ambition already with before that video or not? I think I did, but not consciously. Okay. In the back of my mind, I always thought, hey, I think this could be cool, like having a YouTube channel. Uh, but I never really thought it would be a real business because I'm an entrepreneur, right? This is not a real business. Yeah, I couldn't have been more wrong. Okay, so you, you did the skit and then, then what? Like, did it? Did you publish it and it went viral or what? Instant what viral, instant tens of thousands of dollars. No. <laughs> um, yeah. no, it was just that my friends thought it was super funny and they started tagging their friends and then... Uh, people saw it and they were like, hey, this is really good. And we didn't even know this side of you that you could make something like this. And this was the first time that I did work and it didn't feel like work. And I was like, this is cool. This is like, I'm creatively expressing myself. This is like fun. I was like, let me make another one. And I did another one and another one. And I started a channel and then started figuring out, okay, how does this YouTube platform work? Just like I used to figure out how Amazon worked because I was selling there in my e-commerce business and just studying the platform and then yeah getting really into it and uh slowly but surely it developed into the channel that i have now interesting because if i if i'm not mistaken you're kind of like burnt out from the previous business stuff you had done right and you're kind of like searching for the next thing was this kind of like an experiment of like this is fun or like when i met you which was like about 12 months ago i want to say a little less than that you were in startup mode. I really want to dive into it like later, but like you treat it like a business. So at what time did it switch from like, oh, like this is fun, you know, like I'm making these skits to like, holy shit, like this is what I want to do. Let's build a business out of this this YouTube channel. I think it was pretty quickly. I think it was after the third or fourth video. I was like, there's something here. And I've always had the vision after I saw my first business, I've always had the vision to build a community for people that were like-minded. That, mm. you know, some sort of business where it's like, hey, maybe we can run retreats for these people or we can, uh, I don't know, build a community, a, a group. I didn't know how to actually do it. But then starting this YouTube channel, I thought maybe somehow I can transition it at some point in some way into a community like this. And I was like, I'll just keep going with this. Nice. So what were the stages? Because when we met, you were, it's funny, like I remember thinking like, this guy's videos are so good. He's going to blow up. But you were at like 10K and like, like if you ask like anyone, like, is this guy going to blow up? Yeah, his videos are good, but like he's small right now, you know, and he's, I mean, he's, he's like a small time entrepreneur, but like, it's not nothing like guaranteed. Right. But even before that, I know you had like a bunch of like kind of plateaus knocking your head against the wall of like, shit, like this isn't working, you know? And so can you break down the different stages of like, you started with skits, right? Mm hmm. How did it evolve from there? And like, how did you, I know you had like a lot of challenges about second thoughts about like the content and like what the format should be and Still what's do. meaningful to you. And yeah. Yeah. So the different stages were that I started making more skits. After a while, I felt like I wanted to do something more serious because I didn't just want to be a clown on the internet because they were really, really goofy. They were so goofy that I unlisted them because I'm, <laughs> I don't want people to see them anymore. But people loved it. And I was always like, oh, it, it was kind of cringe. But uh, after a while, I started publishing uh, videos of like, kind of like video essays where it's like, hey, you know, for example, talking about loneliness as an entrepreneur. And that also resonated with a bunch of people. But I realized after a while that 
I didn't want to do the skits anymore. And I decided to start a new channel and then started the channel that I have now, basically from scratch, because barely anyone went over to that other channel. But then I pursued, yeah, I was trying to figure out a format that I would enjoy doing long term. And it took me a while because first I thought maybe I want to do something similar to Yes Theory. Like, what's the message going to be? Is it about like living without regrets, right? Or taking things off your bucket list, right? But then I thought, ah, I don't know, it's, I was pulled to, the entrepreneurship content more again. And um, yeah, and then it started evolving where I was just trying different formats, some were video essays, some were me going out and doing an experiment, like for example, doing different self-help methods, like for example, uh, injecting myself frog poison, which is like a spiritual ceremony and stuff like that, right? And uh, documenting that. And then from there, at some point, uh, a video took off, which was the, I wasted $50,000 on fake guru video because I knew that is a trending topic and I knew it would be guaranteed views because I saw so many other channels that had little subscribers and they made a video about it and it just took off even though it wasn't a good video and I was like I don't want to make this video because I don't want to make drama content I don't want to make exposing content and that's not the audience I'm going to attract but then of course that video took off yeah and uh, I think uh, if I remember correctly uh, you got a call from Mr. Beast after that took off right <laughs> which is fucking wild yeah, exactly. So that video took off. Then other videos started taking off. And then, uh, yeah, Jimmy or Mr. Beast, as most know him, uh, texted me on, uh, Instagram. He does it a lot. He, he gets in touch with a lot of YouTubers who, where he thinks, Hey, I, I want to talk to them. I want to maybe help them out a little bit. And then, yeah, one day I came home and I saw a message on Instagram and I was like, wait, that can't be. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Then, uh, yeah called him and uh, we chatted for like 30 minutes and he gave me a lot of the advice that I already had heard from him from interviews, yeah. but hearing it in person was like, okay, I have to do it now. It's like extra uh, accountability. Like exactly. Someone's watching, yeah. Exactly. So the main thing he told me was like focusing more on ideas and titles and thumbnails and that's my biggest bottleneck and it was. And then I started focusing on that more and more and uh, that's when I started having videos that had over a million views. One of them has like five, 4 million views now. So that's when things started really taking off. Nice. So I want to dig deeper into the kind of the investment and the business aspect of the channel. So you said you sold your business, right? And I think you had some money um, left over from that, that you were kind of basically in reinvesting into the channel, right? You, you didn't have like, you didn't have a job for a while, right? Uh, you sold the company and then you're just like fully working on this channel, like startup mode. Um, can you talk more about like, like how much that was and like the mindset you approached the channel with and like treating it like a business and like, what was your, did you see this becoming what it is today? And yeah. Yeah. I saw this becoming what it is today. And as always, I always think I should be further ahead. <laughs> so it mm -hmm. always feels like I'm behind. I'm like, uh, oh, I should be way further ahead right now. But in the early days, it was, yeah, I was bleeding money. I was bleeding money for years because I had sold my business and then for a year or even two or even two and a half, I wasn't making any money. So I was just the number that I had on my bank account just kept going down. How much and was that like when you started? How much was that? I think, so coming to the US was very expensive because I'm on a small investor visa. Um, so I had to spend a lot of money to start this business here and get the visa to move to the US. Maybe I had like... I don't remember, but I like think ballpark, like hundred thousand. I think so. I think okay. so. And 
Yeah, and then I had a bunch of business expenses on top of that, right, to start this new thing up. So it was getting to a point where I had about, I think, like five or six months left of expenses. And I was like, okay, this thing has to work soon, right? <laughs> but the mindset that I had was that if I get to zero, I'll be fine. Like, I'll figure out how to make money. Like, if I have to make money, I'll figure out how to make it. It just won't be doing something that I enjoy, right? I can mm. just, I don't know, I could do consulting on the side. I could do a bunch of things, but I just wouldn't enjoy them. Yeah. I think it's really cool because, like, it's basically going all in on one thing. Like, like a lot of people use the expression, like, burn, burn the boats, right? <laughs> it's like, there's probably, like, an added level of pressure and accountability that led you to to really push harder on the channel and to where you are today, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm a burn the boats kind of guy. I like to do that, you know. That, that's what allowed me to move to a different country without knowing anyone or just... Even my first business, I went all in. So there was, it was the only option. That's how I made it work. Yeah. I don't know if I would recommend it to anyone, but if you're young and you don't have kids, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like you go broke and then you have to get a job on the side. Like if you're smart, you can make enough money to live off of and still I think for, work on your side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. I think for most people, it's like just this, this fear, right? Even if, if that is true that like anyone can literally, like if you have no skills, like you can go get a job at McDonald's and just like, you're going to live rough for a little bit, right? But like, you're not going to finish on the streets, right? For most people. So how much are you making uh, with the channel right now? Like you have 250,000 subscribers. Can you break down like how much you're making like per month? And also like, what does your YouTube business look like right now? As far as like breaking that uh, number down? Mm -hmm. Sure. So in February, we had a really good month because one of the videos blew up. So that's the thing about YouTube. You can have incredible month, months and then you can have a couple of videos that flop and you have a terrible month, right? So we had an incredible month, the best one ever. And that was, uh, I think in total, we, that was like over a bit over 30,000 in income. Uh, so that's not profit, of course, it's revenue. But I would say half of that came from ad revenue. Then uh, let's say... 20% from affiliates because that video was actually where we had an affiliate link in there that I just mentioned for like four seconds and that did really well. And uh, the rest was then also sponsorship, which we partnered up with recently, a uh, sponsor. So on top of that, I could also offer consulting on the side because I have a bunch of people that, yeah, want to ask me questions and stuff like that. And oftentimes it's, yeah. it's actually established entrepreneurs that, you know, are looking to sell their business as well, or they're looking to grow a channel as well. But I'm not offering that right now. I, I would say for every million views right now, I could be making 10K if I get a million views in a month. Mm. Having said that, I haven't spent much time optimizing monetization. Like, I think if I, if I spent, if you gave me like a, a month to like work on monetization, I could double it. But uh, it's Damn. just not... You need a business manager. I mean, you are... I mean, the, the thing is you have the skills, you know, but like that's crazy how big of an opportunity it is. Like that could be like a backstage position where like someone comes to YouTubers and they help them like, hey, let me dial in like your revenue stuff and like I'll take a cut of, of the upside, right? Like that's that's huge. Yeah, 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 I agree. What, what do your costs look like? Ooh, hard to say. So we have got a bunch of costs coming up now because we're bringing more people onto the team. For example, the editor, then uh, contractors, like an assistant contractor for now or things like that. Expenses right now. Just like ballpark per percentage. Like, 
I would say uh, 50, 50 at least, if not more. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sweet. So what I want to know is like, what does the day of a YouTube entrepreneur look like? So you've got six month burn rate, like how are you spending your days? Like, and how are you justifying this to yourself? Like you're fine with for six months and like, yeah, what, what's the investment as far as time and like, how are you spending your days? The investment for time was, uh, yeah, it's, it's high right now. And it has been for a while because I've been editing my videos by myself up until now. Now I've got an editor, but that for one video would take me 40 to 60 hours of pure editing. So that's sitting down and actually setting a timer and tracking the time. So not like, you know, oh yeah, I worked 12 hours today. It's like, no, I actually worked eight because I timed it, right? Yep. Um, so a lot of editing, a lot of planning, not very much shooting. I think shooting is like 5% of the time, maybe. A lot of writing and a lot of scripting and planning. If it's a video essay, it's a lot of scripting. So sometimes four or five days of like four hour days and just obsessing over it to a point where I don't know if it's good, <laughs> if it's like good to do it that way or if, I'm, if I should just dial it back a little bit. Look at the 80-20, like what really matters. But um, yeah. The, like sustainability. Yeah, exactly. So the days are... They're changing a lot too, because now it really depends on the videos that you're making. But right now, they're pretty much all over the place in terms of tasks. So right now, you're catching me at a time where I'm very overwhelmed because I'm bringing on team members, I'm hiring new team members, I'm looking into monetization more to optimize that. Plus, I also got to keep making content and I got to train the editor that I have, as well as some bureaucracy stuff, taxes are coming up, and we want to rebrand the channel. So it's like, Okay, what do I do? Okay, guess I guess I won't have life. And then personal stuff comes to it as well, you know, family issues or whatever. It's a lot right now, but um, I know that it'll get better because it has to. I won't be able to do anything this way. I think once you, if you're able to, if you have the skills to build a team and delegate, that's when you start having a real business because it's a group of people coming together to do it together, and then everyone is ideally doing what they're doing best and what they enjoy most, right? So. Yeah. Once stuff gets delegated, it should it should get much easier. Yeah, and that's what's fascinating. That I mean, I didn't realize at the time, and that most people I don't think realize. Like with like Colin Samir and other people, like it started to become like more mainstream. But like this is actually like like a YouTube channel is like a new business model, right? Mm -hmm. And like it really is like just the way you were describing it, right? Like you're thinking about revenue, you're thinking about taxes, you're thinking about basically your videos is your marketing, right? For the community, for the brand. And then you have to think about like, there's like a dozen pieces on top of that, right? If anything, like that's like one piece, like a third of it maybe. And then there's the business around it. And like thinking of like building the team, hiring people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's a big advantage that I have is that I had a business before now I can apply a lot of the things and mindsets and beliefs and traits to this because I know how to delegate stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point because like probably most creators, like most new creators don't have that background and probably struggle with that. Right. And I think a lot of people just from like, like looking at uh, people in the same ecosystem is like they struggle to build the business and they're, they're creators at heart. And then they kind of burn out because they're not able to build a team and delegate stuff and build a business, like a sustainable business around their channel, right? Exactly. And you have the constant maintenance because you have to keep making videos. I mean, you don't have to, but kind of, right? <laughs> like you can't yeah. just not upload for three months and don't expect a dip, right? Whereas I feel like with a business, once you have a product and a, the delivery systemized, then you can focus on, on other 
things and channels, right? With, with YouTube, you just have to keep making stuff while then also building the business. Nice. So you escape the rat race to enter another one. <laughs> it's a rat race. I'm, yeah. I'm in a rat race, and yeah. I don't think I think I'll continue to be in this rat race for many many years to come. But I want to make this I want make this a, an enjoyable rat race. I think almost any business is a is a rat race if you think about it. It's fair. But it's but it's a rat race that you choose, right? So yeah. The last thing I want is just retire and do nothing. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds uh, sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I think you mentioned if you have the skills to build a team, but also you need the money, right? And that's something that's changed just recently for you as far as like, hey, like I can now afford to pay like a talented editor, right? Which like we've talked about it together, like those those are expensive, right? <laughs> and so at what point for you did that monetary switch happen? I'm curious, like subscriber-wise, what did that equate to? Hard to say. I mean, it really depends on the views. Almost everything follows that, but... Real monetization came in. I think I had the first dollar a day when I was at, I don't know, probably like a few thousand subscribers, right? But um, once it started taking off, I, I, it's hard to say how much I was making at that point. But, you know, all of a sudden I had enough to not just pay myself, but to pay for the videos that I was making and the expenses that came from that and actually stack up some money to get ready to to hire some people. It really depends. I mean... I think in my niche, a lot of people work with a $4 to $10 CPM sometimes, depending on how much they go into the finance space or entrepreneurship space. So yeah. that means 4 to $10 for every thousand views. And then sponsorships come in as well, right? So we have a sponsor now too, and, and that, that made a big difference. Then on the side, I started offering consulting calls as well. Uh, but I stopped doing those because they're just, they're just not worth my time at the moment. It's just always more valuable to make another video. Yeah. I wish I could give you a better answer, but like, it's hard no, to no, say. No, so just like, let's do ballpark. Cause I think a lot of people are curious. Like I actually have a lot of friends that ask me and I don't always have a good answer, but they, they ask me like, when can you start making money with a YouTube channel? Like, like when can you make a full-time income is kind of the question I get. Like how much do you make with it? Like maybe ballpark and maybe you won't be able to answer, but like ballpark numbers, like when you were at 10 K versus when you were at 50 K versus hundred K versus now, you know? Mm-hmm. Can you give like so gross think, numbers on that? Yeah, I think 10K for me, that could have been a full-time thing for me. Just to pay Already? Myself. I think so. If I was resourceful enough to monetize properly, yeah. Because yeah. I have a, a friend of mine uh, is making seven figures in affiliate sales That's with 10,000 subscribers, right? And he gets three to 400 views a video. It really depends on the niche and how skilled you are because he knows how to negotiate with affiliates, how to make them a great offer and how to sell through video mm. yeah and then at 100,000 subscribers I think with 10,000 subscribers you can make your first grand a month maybe like the average YouTuber I would say maybe yeah in my niche it's very hard to say if you're if you're a gamer you can't right if you make gaming content but 100,000 subscribers I would say that's when you can start paying for yourself and put some money on the side like maybe like 10k but it really depends. It all depends. It's very hard to say. I think at a million subscribers, that's when you can, that's where the ranges get even bigger. At a million subscribers, you could be making 30,000 a month to 300,000 a month or 500,000 a month. Like it really depends on the niche and yeah. how, how business skilled you are, right? It is funny, like how, how wildly it varies depending on the niche. Basically, it really depends on who your audience ends up being. So, cause uh, it all boils down to RPM, which, which is kind of like equivalent of like CPM, uh, for YouTube cost per thousand impressions. 
and that like basically how much money your audience has and like how much they're willing to spend on different products kind of determines like how much you can make right yeah exactly and who knows maybe if by the end of the year we grow like i think we could reach a million if we wanted to if that's the goal uh, i don't know if a, if a subscriber goes the right goal to set but i think it could be possible to to be like hey we're gonna grow to a million subscribers this year and then we make maybe even this year make seven figures in course sales if i decide to sell course but i don't want to that's the thing I think I could, but it's not something I want to get into because I don't want to, it would change the relationship with the viewer because I don't want to be an expert that sells them a course. I yeah. want to be someone like-minded who's on the same eye level, who's relatable. Yeah. You want to br- br- build like a really strong relationship with your subscriber, right? Where it's like, yeah, it's like they feel like they're getting more from you than you're taking from them. Yeah. Yeah. Did you run out of money? Like how close were you? I think I was, uh, I think it was like 15K or something like that. Okay. Which I think oh, to yeah, a lot like, of people is like, oh, that's a lot of money still, but it's like. It was like it three months for you, runway, more or less? Yeah, I think four or five months. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So I want to I wanna talk about like the opportunity that a YouTube channel is and like the opportunities that's opened up for you because. Like the reason I thought of it personally of like, oh shit, like maybe it makes sense for me to start a YouTube channel. Like besides the fact that it's like a great business, right? Like especially once you've scaled it, it gives you a huge amount of credibility and it it allows you to kind of, I'm just seeing like you like to come, basically you can come up to anyone, like any entrepreneur and because you have value, which is like, hey, I can make a video with you about you and I can get like a million views, a million eyeballs on whatever product you're trying to, like if someone's doing a book launch, someone's like selling a product, like I can get a million eyeballs on whatever you're trying to promote by featuring you in your story. And in that process, I'm going to build a, a personal relationship with you, right? Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So it's a very powerful resource that you have when you learn the skills of YouTube because you can direct eyeballs. If you know how to make clickable titles and thumbnails and tell a good story, you can make a video blow up and you can direct eyeballs and you control distribution, which is look at history. It's always very powerful. I think that's how Rockefeller gets, got so rich as well. Right. Mm. Uh, I could be wrong with that, but I think uh, that's at some point. Um, but yeah, and the cool thing about YouTube too, is that it's networking at scale. I could go to an event and network with like a hundred people here at South by Southwest in Austin, or I could put out a video that would attract these people and they, they watch the video and not only are they going to watch it, but they're also going to feel like they, they kind of know me, right? And they know my face. They know what I sound like. So it's not like a podcast where you can just hear them. You know, I always thought podcasts would be great because you can network with people. YouTube is even better because I can see you as well. And you're in that position of authority, right? Like you're, there's something about you being behind the screen and people like you getting like thousands of views or like millions sometimes, right? It's like, oh shit. Like, like it's like you, you've built a business, right? That's like, like uh, you sold that for like a couple hundred thousand dollars, which like an entrepreneurial world is like small, right? But like it gives you massive amount of credibility, which which I think is is a huge uh, appeal to, I mean, this business model specifically. It just opens a lot of door, I would imagine. Yeah. And now with the content that I make, we feature entrepreneurial stories sometimes or we hang out with an entrepreneur who has something interesting to share. And it's become a really powerful networking tool, right? Where now... I could come and t- get in touch with some of my heroes, right? Depending on how the channel grows or depending on how much work we put in, we could make a video with Tony Robbins, right? Or 
whoever else is, you know, usually hard to get in touch with, but we're like, hey, we can get a lot of eyeballs to something that you are launching or you care, you care about and uh, do something with that. So, and also the nature of my audience is really exciting because we're attracting not 15 year olds who, who are into Fortnite. We're attracting people who want to do something with their lives, who want to have an impact and are improving themselves, right? The doers, the ones that, that, uh, yeah, that, that want to make stuff happen. So if you bring those people into one community, what can you do? Like, where can you direct attention? What are the big problems in the world that you can tackle if you know how to tell a story and you can assemble those people and, and uh, throw them that way, right? So Yeah, it's influence. It's, like, it's, it's influence, yeah. yeah. That's powerful, man. And so now going into hiring an editor, can you talk about the challenge, like the challenge that has been? Because it's been a couple months that you've you've been telling me that like you're, you're hiring an editor and literally we had a couple calls where you're just like, you're like, this is so hard, like banging your head on the table of mm. like, like I can't, <laughs> you know, why, why do you think it's been such a challenge? So the challenge with finding team members on YouTube is that it's such a new space. And you might say like, oh, YouTube, it's been around for, I don't know, 15, 20 years now, 15 years. It's like, yeah, the thing is, YouTube only now is coming to the stage where creators are not just individuals, but the next stage looks like, hey, there's going to be actual companies, media companies that are running these channels. Like Mr. Beast isn't a dude making videos on the internet. It's a, it's a big company. I mean, depending on what you mean by big, but you know, I think they 50 have. 50 plus, right? Exactly, right? So they, they work with a lot of people and this space is so new that you can't hire somebody to be like, oh, I'm looking for someone to, that has experience with YouTube because the people that have experience with YouTube, they have their own YouTube channel. Same with editing. So the editing on YouTube is so specific that you don't just have to know how to tell a story. You also have to know how to keep them engaged. Because if you're in a movie theater, you can't just click off. You don't see videos suggested on the side. And you, be, you know, a movie doesn't have to keep people's attention, right? Whereas with uh, YouTube, you're constantly competing. And if you lose their attention for too long and it's kind of dull for a bit, they might click off and then the video won't perform well. So learning how to do that, I think it combines copywriting with storytelling, uh, knowing how to hook people throughout the story multiple times. That is a very hard skill to learn. It depends on what you mean by very hard. But if you take the time, like I think you can teach someone within six months to edit really well on YouTube, but it takes time. It takes time. And um, especially hiring an editor, it's it's an artistic profession, right? There's a lot of creativity that comes into it and a lot of subjective things. But there are rules and fundamentals and principles that you can stick to. And I'm trying to distill those and actually learn, okay, why do I do it this way? And then pass it on to the editor. But yeah, it's a real challenge for, for anyone. And that's what makes it fine for me. If it was just a challenge for me, but everyone for everyone else it would, it would be easy, that, that, that would be a problem, right? But because it's hard for everyone, I'm like, cool. That's an obstacle that I can overcome that most people want. Yeah, 100%. You found someone now, seems like, or you're trialing someone. What was different about, about him? Attitude. Just that. So when it comes to skills, yeah, he has experience with editing for TV, but I knew that I would have to train them up from the beginning. Like if I found somebody who had almost no experience with editing at all, but I knew, hey, they, they're going to love editing and I'm going to bring them up. I'm going to teach them everything I know and it takes me six months. That's cool. As long as they have the attitude and they're really hungry. So you can't really hire for attitude or what do you call it? Characteristics or... You know, you can't really hire for that and skills. 
you can only hire for the attitude and yeah, no skills and teach them the skills. Nice. Interesting. So what other positions are you looking to, to bring on right now? As you're building your team, like what are the next like five hires? I'm kind of prefacing this because um, like a lot of people listening to this podcast probably, I mean, by default of the topic of the podcast are looking for to work behind the scenes with uh, up and coming creators, right? And I think that like, honestly, if, if I didn't have something going on right now, like I would come work with you because I think like... <laughs> Like, I think the channel is about to blow up. It's like, it's already blown up, but like you're pre being huge, you know, <laughs> it's like if, if someone tries to reach out in a year, it'll be very different than reaching out now. And that's like a big thing that I, I preach on, on the podcast and that I've done myself is like try to find the creators who are under the radar right now. So for example, like I went to work for, for Tom Bilyeu, like after he left Quest, right? So he already had like a big name, but he was... He was just starting a new company. That's the stage where people need the most help and where you have the most value as someone that has like literally like no skills, but like a huge like willingness to help, right? And to learn from that person. And so like, I feel like you're at that stage right now, like content wise, where it's like, you're big enough that you're like proven, but you're not at the stage yet where it's like, you're not reachable, right? Oh Um, yeah, definitely. So the next five highest, five is... I think even with just three, we can do a ton of damage. But casting out uh, to five, so who we're looking for this year is first of all the editor. We have that. We have that one. But even if even if there's an assistant editor who was fresh and wants to learn, we can always need someone else who can help our current editor free up time, right? So and then the next thing that's most important is an assistant or producer, somebody who's especially running the logistical pieces of the content. Like if we need something for a video, actually uh, putting that into action so we can get into production. Like for example, getting in touch with a billionaire. Like that's some one thing that we that we did recently, and we're waiting now to get ready to shoot the video with him. Or finding, yeah, finding a Navy SEAL to spend three days with and have have him train us. And we need a beach with logs so we can do a workout there, an obstacle course, and a pool where we can do diving exercises. Right. So things like that. I think the next thing after that is uh, definitely a videographer, somebody who can, who, who's a part of the team, not just a, a contractor, which we have now. Uh, so somebody who can help shoot, as well as I think the next stage for that, after that, uh, we have a solid team for content production. The next thing might be something like a community manager, somebody that then can facilitate the platform and make sure that the community is coming together and is able to communicate with each other. And yeah, there's a... Uh, there's a barrier to entry and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just curated properly. Uh, after that, there's, there's so many ideas that we have. Like I'm thinking out 10 years into the future. Like I know that YouTube is just one thing. And then the next thing that I'm looking forward to, to most is actually a podcast. I only want to start mm-hmm. that once the channel is really taken off and yeah. the machine is running and it's, it's crushing it. And then a podcast to dive deeper into certain topics and build a deeper relationship with the viewers. With that, there's a whole bunch of different positions that we that we need as well. So hiring is definitely the biggest challenge for everyone. Seems like you need a recruiter as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely, right? So like whoever can solve that problem is going to make a lot of money. Like helping top creators recruit uh, talented yeah. people. Yeah. I think Pat Patty's huge. working on it somehow. Other couple mm-hmm. of people that I've I've heard that are working on it, but it's a tough tough problem to solve. Yeah. 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 But it's a if that one is solved, like you said, that'll be a game changer. And I think that's one of the reasons why Mr. Beast 
is number one currently. It's one of the reasons that nobody talks about. It's that he has been able to partner up with a CEO and I think he has even has multiple CEOs for his different teams that run the channels for him and also help hire the best people possible, right? So cracking the talent game, mastering that game, that is, I think that's, that's where things are moving now. Yeah, 100%. And how are you making it interesting for people to join? Because I know you're doing some, some cool stuff and you really want, like, especially early on, you want, you want to bring on like partners almost, it seems like, in the business, right? Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So what I need to think about as somebody wanting to attract these people is that they can work anywhere they want. I need to make them such an irresistible offer that they want to come work with me, right? So that got me thinking, how can I create a place where they want to work, right? And one of the things is that we want to rebrand the channel from just my name into a community name and have multiple people in front of the camera because I don't want it to be just about me. Uh, I want it to be about a group of people that are coming together to make cool stuff. Yeah, so things that I'm thinking about as well is that are crucial for talent, I think, is uh, making sure that they're rewarded for the results that they get whether that's ad revenue share through YouTube or even in the future, things like equity or just continuing to promote them to a position where they, they're earning more, they're learning more, and they have more responsibility. Like one of the things I'm thinking about now already is that I know that in the, in the long run, we're going to have our own standalone businesses that are launching outside of the channel that are its own companies and then putting someone in place there that can maybe run that business or own half of it and they're going to be the CEO of that, right? So these are the things that I'm thinking about right now. And yeah, really trying to figure out, okay, what what would make this a huge win for somebody that wants to come onto the team? Like what do they really want? And then delivering it to them. Nice. Yeah, another thing I want to kind of dive deeper into is how do people stand out? Because like, like we just mentioned, like for the editor position, like you probably reviewed like, I don't know how many, like how many applications that you review i'll say a couple hundred maybe yeah a couple hundred and i don't want to put words in your mouth but it seems like like 90 plus percent were just not up to par they, they weren't even worth looking at and then the other ones it's like just didn't stand out so like let's say for the producer role that, that you're hired that you're looking to hire for soon how can someone like whether people want to work with you or with someone else uh, I think you have a unique perspective and sharing of like you being the person that's looking at the applications. How can people stand out and catch your attention so that you're like, shit, I want to work with this guy. Like I need to do anything I can to bring him on. Yeah. So it's funny because when I first talked to my editor now, I was like, wow, there's something different here. There's something very different about this guy, <laughs> right? So the way he was carrying himself, the way he was communicating was very different. And uh, let's see, what I'm looking for in an application is that, first of all, that they have read the application and they actually know what's in it and whether they're actually a good fit. Because I've had so many people apply for a producer or assistant role. And I can tell in the application, it, I kept saying like, this is not a creative position. This is a position where you do small admin tasks. And then I had people apply that I actually had an interview that said, yeah, I'm just, I just love being creative. And yeah, I don't like doing emails and stuff like that. And I'm like, sorry, like, I don't want to do this to you because you're going to hate this here, right? Yeah. So really making sure that you're the right one for this position and figuring out how to be useful. I think that's probably something that you did as well. Or just showing that you really want it by yeah submitting a good, good application. So the way I would do it, I had kind of this mindset that I could work for anyone if I wanted to. Like if I wanted to work with Tom Bilyeu right now, I would just 
make him an incredible video and one that's so good and maybe even like take weeks to make it where he, he can't say no. Yeah. Right? And it's not like that I'm expecting that from people because it doesn't even take that much for somebody like me to, to be impressed, right? Like if you communicate concisely and you get to the point and you actually know what I'm looking for and you just deliver that, that's all I'm asking for. But most of the bad applications, they, it seems like they didn't even try, like they didn't even read it properly. So yeah, one thing like, and this is kind of maybe controversial, but like putting all your eggs in one basket, I feel like is a good approach. Cause I feel like a lot of people, a lot of the times, like people are applying to like a dozen jobs. Right. And I feel like you're just spreading their energy towards those dozen jobs versus for me, what I've always done and what I feel like is the best way to approach this. Like if you want to work behind the scenes, that's like an entrepreneur creator is like pick like one or two people that you're really excited to work with. And like, like you said, literally spend weeks on your application, like the, the title of that book, like so good, they can't ignore you. Right. That's it. It's like literally like everyone is submitting, everyone is spending like max like one or two hours, right? Imagine what it would look like if you spent like two weeks on the application. How much more is that going to stand out than like the the hundred other applications it's going to get? Like that's literally all you have to do. Like once you've stood out that way, like they're going to want to work with you. Like you've already done like 90% of the work. Then you just have to not be weird and like show that you actually can deliver on the message you put in your application, right? Yeah, that's it. Totally agree. Because most of the applications... You can tell by their language. They're just like, who knows? Maybe it'll work out, right? It's like, I just wanted to try my luck. And it's like, immediately, like, I'm just like, no, no, like, don't just try your luck. And like, I even had people email me who are like, Leon, I've been thinking and I realized this position is a good one for me. So just text me and I'll get back to you. And it's like, do you think you're doing me a favor? But I can't find anyone that wants, you know, it's like, ah, oh. it's some people, yeah, they just, they, they don't have the, they're not able to see the perspective of somebody looking to hire someone, right? So yeah. just like you said, if you go all in on one thing and you take that job, you don't just apply for it. You're like, hey, this is my job. I'm taking it. And it, even if it takes you a month, even if it takes you multiple applications and multiple tries, like even if it takes you working for free for a month, again, I don't, I don't expect people to and I don't want, want them to work for free. Yeah. But that's what, what, that's what I would do. Yeah, there's many stories I can tell even when I was a backpacker in Australia traveling. <laughs> that I could tell about this topic because everyone was struggling to find jobs and I had jobs left and right. Please, go ahead. Yeah? yeah. Okay. So when I was uh, in Australia, everyone was struggling to find jobs and I was living with these eight people in one tiny apartment. There were like bunk beds and everything. It was a disgusting place. It was full of cockroaches. There were even mushrooms growing in the corner. It was really bad. It was a wild time. But they all got invited to this job interview and I was like, hey, I'm going to come as well. So it was a group of 20 people that applied for a job. And it was basically the guy running the company was like, yeah, one of you is going to get the job. And we we're like, oh, wait, what? We're like 20 people here, right? Uh, or maybe we weren't 20. I think we were like 10 or 12 maybe. And it was like, damn, okay, only one of these people is going to get the job here. And we didn't know it at the time. But then we did different exercises over the course of like two or three hours. The first exercise was like a debate. And then half of the people were sent home. Another exercise... The other half was sent home. And then the last exercise was uh, you had to go out on the street and like sign up people by just, I don't know, you just had to ask them a question and write down the answer. And whoever had the most answers got the job. I just ran around like a maniac and I got the most answers by far. And I was like, I got the job. And it was this job where you basically stand on the street and you sell people something where you're like, hey, nice shoes. Hey, do you want to sign up for this crap, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. And 
the guy came up to me, he was like, okay, looks like you got the job. So can you start tomorrow? And I was like, I actually have a job interview uh, in a couple of days. And I wanted to wait for that one to see what they offer me. And he was like, we just spent a day trying to find you. Now you don't want the job. Like either you take the job or you don't, but you know, you got to decide now. And I was like, okay, I'll take the other job. Like I'll go to the other one. And I declined, right? And he called me later on. He was like, we're going to offer you more money. Please come work with us. And I was like, uh, nah. And then I went to the other one and I got that job too, right? And that's when I started realizing it's actually not that hard. There's no competition because nobody's really trying. Everyone else that I live with in Australia, they were all doing the minimum possible, as little as possible to get the job, right? Whereas I was just like, hey, this is my job. I'm taking it. Same with when I was in construction. I was working in construction. I got the job. When I left, the guy was like, can you please stay? We're going to pay you more, right? And I was like, no. And then... I said, I got a friend to get that job and he was like, how did you do this job? Like, I'm, I can't, my body is, my body is done. And, and the employer told me as well that, oh, you want to step into Leon's footsteps? Good luck. <laughs> like he told me, <laughs> I was like, what? So here's the last one uh, in that regard. Same with when I was, when I was washing dishes in Australia. So I was washing dishes at this restaurant that was really busy. So you had to run around the kitchen to even make it in time. It was very hard. We had four or five guys on trial and they all didn't make it. They all just didn't get the job. So it was a really tough job. I ended up leaving too. They also wanted to offer me more money, but I said, no, I want to travel for like three or four weeks because uh, I had only limited time left in Australia. And then after four weeks of traveling, I wanted to work for two or three more weeks for them. I think it was three weeks. And I called them, can I work for you again for three weeks? Because I want to get some more money because I want to travel to Southeast Asia. And they were like, no, you just left. We just we were just able to replace you. Now you want to come back? And I was like, yeah, you know, like, we're good. <laughs> And then they ended up firing that guy so I could work there for three weeks. That's hilarious. At that point, I realized it's like there's not much competition out there. there. There really isn't. If you really want the job and you're somebody that does whatever it takes and it doesn't even take that much, you're going to get the job. So, Yeah. The takeaway is like there's this quote that, that uh, I like from that Tom always uses. Like there's always room for the best, right? Always. Just like if you put in that extra effort, like there's always going to be a spot for you on, on, on whatever team you want to work on. Yeah, I love um, it. All right. So if people want to apply in a creative way, what's the link where they can go and find out more about the applications, about the positions you're hiring for on the team in the next couple of months? Sure. So the website is just collectiveambition.co. So that's okay. collectiveambition.co. And on that page, we have, uh, it's just, I think it's just for hiring. We have the vision, where we want to go for the next three years. Yeah, and then you can apply. So there's uh, currently looking for an assistant. And then, again, there's always room for the best. So we also put on a way to apply, even if there's no open positions. Because, yeah, Dude, I like you said, that. or like Tom says, there's always room for the best. So That's like, if you find, if you find an opportunity, if you're watching, like, if you go and watch Leon's video and you find an opportunity that you can kind of add value to him or, or create your own position within the business, that's your shot right there. That's it. All right, man. Uh, this was great. Thanks for doing the interview. Thank you. Sure. I mean, you, you've honestly made me think, well, we've talked about this, like it's not, a YouTube channel doesn't feel right for me right now, but... Like I've more and more as I'm in this space, I look at like YouTube as a business and how how good of a business model it is, right? Like you, we've talked about a lot of like building the audience before the product, right? Versus like most businesses build the product before the audience. And 
um, I just think it's like a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to build that community, to, to build that brand and then be able to create a business around that. So, uh, hopefully we've inspired a couple people with this, uh, with this chat. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Peace. There you have it. I hope you got something out of this interview. I'm really trying to make this as valuable as possible to you. So if you have any feedback on how I can make this better, if you have any questions for me personally, I'll get back to you. Uh, reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is at Jeremy John Mary. You can also comment if you're watching on YouTube. You can just comment below. All right. Thanks for listening and have an epic week.